0: The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network.
1: Hey guys, this is Matt Seidel and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style.
2: on today's show, discussing all this news that's happened in the last week, including COVID-positive tests, new title matches for Wrestle Grand Slam, debuting Young Lions, and more. If you can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network, or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice, and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro store, com slash Suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider visit a month one time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com donate. And click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com. With features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man?
3: So if I ever have to do this show alone, this is what the intro rundown of the show will basically sound like. What's up, everybody? It's the young boy Josh Smith here. You're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We're going to talk about New Japan and some other stuff. I, I don't have it written out, uh, but I'm going to go off the dome, see what comes out. Uh, we got some other shows. Oh, be sure. Give us money on uh, – definitely donate money. I don't know how you do that, but Jeremy talks about it in the other <laughs> show. Go, go to one of those episodes, and he has the details there, and then follow those details. Oh, rate us. Review us. Uh, Danny. Hooks us up with NJPWEXT. I don't know. Anyways, let's do this. <laughs> That's basically what the rundown sound like if it was me doing this.
2: <laughs> oh, man.
3: Oh, shit. Yeah, and we got a pro wrestling tea store, so buy that, too.
2: <laughs> be, be some compelling audio. <laughs> Uh well, one thing I want to do real quick. I want to uh, read a rating that we got, a review that we got on Apple Podcasts. This comes from uh, Apple user Sing Gill, twenty eighteen. Title of their review is "Best NJPW Podcast." They say easily the best podcast covering NJPW. Excellent and thorough commentary, research is impeccable. Much like an Osprey and Chingo, Okada and Omega. Or Okada and Tanahashi pairing, Jeremy and the young boy are a legendary duo. Guests like Chris Samson are also fantastic in sharing thoughtful comments. Love listening every week as my main NJPW podcast. Out of a five star scale, I give this podcast seven stars.
3: Man, what what a review! I mean, golly, uh, we and you know what we thank you if you've ever left us a review as well. We've gotten. A lot of them over the years, but I don't know why we just never have read them over the air. I think
2: I think we've read a couple before, but yeah, we Maybe. definitely, yeah, but yeah, be like, be like, sing Gil twenty eighteen. Leave, leave <laughs> us a review on our Keeping a Strong style feed and the Social Suplex Podcast Network feed. Help us get up on in the ratings and on that that, that chart, so we can uh, you know everybody can find out that we are the number one NJPW podcast.
3: Yeah, we'll read we'll read out your reviews as long as they're good. If they're if they're you know trash, we're gonna rip them to bits. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> if they're good, uh, you know, inflate our ego. But also, you know, people checking out the show, they need to know. You know, you want to speak to the world, speak to the audience. You know, this is your chance to speak vicariously through Jeremy's you know silky soap- tones. <laughs>
2: And uh, one more thing that we're going to talk about before we jump into uh, main New Japan news, you know, there was a big return to professional wrestling this past week. The return of one CM Punk, and we had a oh, lot. Oh, of-
3: I thought you were talking about Becky Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> I, c-
2: I could have been talking about uh, former IWGP champion Brock Lesnar.
3: Yeah, that's who. That's who it should have been. Um, <laughs> You know, Brock came out here looking like a pumpkin. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> uh, Literally
3: like a squiggly head, and then that little patch of hair looks like the the freaking stalk of the the pumpkin. This man looks, you know, ragged.
2: Man it was looking like Moxley on on Juice. <laughs> he,
3: I saw someone put a thing out there that he's the evolution of John Moxley, like like in Pokemon. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like congr- congratulations, Trainer. You're uh, Dean Ambrose it's evolved into a Brock Lesnar. <laughs>
3: here's what happens you you catch a a dean ambrose he evolves into a uh into a brock lesnar and you know you're in the middle of the fight and you know he's beating your ass but then you power up and now you're beating brock lesnar's ass and you think you won and right before the episode ends he's like this isn't my final (laughs) form and you're like wait what and then they're like find out next week and then the next week he turns into john moxley hmm yeah (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, but no, we're not talking about Brock or Becky We're talking about uh, Mr. Phil Brooks, CM Punk Who made his return to professional wrestling, to AEW this past Friday on Rampage uh, Pretty big moment and we had a lot of questions about it So I figured I'd uh, kick off the show with this Uh I'll talk about this for a little bit and then we can jump into the rest of the New Japan news and reviews that we have for this week Uh, I mean, it's
3: not like there was like a ton of shows anyways, (laughs) right?
2: (laughs) Um, So first from our buddy over at one nation radio, rich Latta, he says, uh, not new Japan, but can you speak on how huge CM Punk's return is and what it kind of means to you?
3: Yeah. um, Oh, wow. We do have a lot of questions about this. So, I mean, this is, this is such a big deal. Um, you know, I think for most wrestling fans, uh, I don't want to go on and on too long about it. But you know, to put it in a concise manner, um, CM Punk dropping that pipe bomb and the effect that, that the ripple effect that that had on the wrestling industry is one of the few things that really piqued my fandom and and uh, mm-hmm. reignited my fandom and interest in professional wrestling and in the WWE product at the time. And I feel like you can't give him full credit for everything that's transpired over the past decade, but, you know, his um, fingerprint is all over the indies, all over the various different characters, the ring work, the the style. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to understate just how influential CM Punk was as a figure and you know, just as a wrestler. Um, And now that he's returning, I mean, it's, uh, he is clearly moving the needle, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, he outsold the freaking bullet club shirt. I mean, that shirt's been the most, you know, bought shirt for seven years straight. Uh, And in 72 hours, he broke that record for pro wrestling. tees. That's nuts. I mean, the, the demo number that he did Friday night, you know, for 18 to 49 is like unheard of in that time slot. So, I mean, it's a it's a big deal. It's a really, really, really big deal. And, uh, I mean, yeah, bro, I was, like, I, I wasn't, like, going to cry or anything like that. But, man, I was, like, just sitting there the whole time just, like, in shock. Like, as soon as I heard that music, like, da 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 And I was, like, oh, my God, he's coming out. And then he walked out. And the emotion of him crying and jumping in the crowd and, you know, all the turmoil from the past seven years kind of is just gone. And... You know, he could suck. <laughs> there is that, I have that fear that he could come back and he could suck, but um, putting all that aside, I mean, that moment was special. I mean, it was, that was like, I was trying to think of like what the most special like return, like the biggest returns to wrestling were and like, it, it's got to be one of the biggest ever.
2: Oh yeah, easily one of the, the biggest returns, one of the best wrestling moments Uh, in a long time it'll go down in the history books as one of the the greatest you know moments in the business and yeah I I love this I I watched it live on TNT and you know the buzz was just palpable the whole week and everybody buzzing you know is he actually gonna be there because you know they never really announced him and of course you had people doubting and you know wouldn't it be funny if he doesn't show up and all this and just that you know that, just that great moment you hear the you know the uh, uh, and then you know yeah. cult of personality comes on you, you see that the punk logos the Chicago flag and then he finally walks on stage that huge pop and yeah just a great moment I mean I was always a huge CM Punk fan uh Ring of Honor was uh very big in you know my wrestling fit fandom and you know during the early 2000s when I kind of was you know getting a little tired of WWE you know Ring of Honor was one of the first alternatives I checked out and uh, it wasn't always the easiest thing to watch but you know I would try and buy DVDs or watch YouTube clips and see all the great Punk promos and the battles with Punk and Joe and Punk and Aries and just all this great stuff he had and Punk he showed up in TNA he was a he had a long feud with Raven in multiple promotions MLW yeah. uh, TNA all over him and Raven had great feuds and. Just one of those top indie names where it's like there's no way he's gonna make it to WWE because of his size and just kind of his character, but I, I would love him there. And then he finally jumps over and he was my boy, man, seeing him go through um, you know, ECW on sci-fi and going through there, getting to the main roster, straight at society, you know, all that till the, the final moments of that that Last Royal Rumble, man. He was just such a great such a great Addition to WWE at that time, like you mentioned, the pipe bomb promo. I mean, that pipe bomb brought back a lot of people who were kind of dormant from watching wrestling. I mean, Rich and James said it themselves on One Nation Radio this week. Like, if they if there was no pipe bomb, there probably wouldn't be on One Nation Radio, which means there probably wouldn't be a Social Suplex Podcast Network. So
3: there there'd be no voices of wrestling either. They've said that on on the air many times. Yeah. I mean, since we're kind of going down the, the pipeline, I know we said we were going to spend too much time on it, but we, it's our show. We got time. Exactly. So, <laughs> um, you know, for me, like my first exposures to CM Punk, I wasn't always readily able to watch a lot of the indie stuff. But I would go to the dollar store, not the dollar store, but like the, you know, the drugstore, CBS, stuff like that. And I'd go read PWI and I'd go read like, wow. And those magazines And I, and there was this like really grungy dude named CM Punk and seeing the dog collar match, uh, with him and Raven, like Mm. just, just the pictures of it. And then the cage matches. And I was like, he's having like hardcore fights in ring of honor, which I didn't think I was like, I didn't think they did that, you know? And that was like really kind of strange to me. And Then I never even really got to see CM Punk until he made it to WWE uh, I had to kind of go back and rewatch a lot of stuff. But then I heard about the, the the Joe matches. And I was like, he's wrestling for an hour? Like, what in the world? <laughs> yeah. You know? Is and he Shawn heard, Michaels? <laughs> yeah. And then I heard about the, the, the Summer Punk, the first Summer Punk, where, you know, this man went, went corporate. and He was signing his contract on the ROH belt. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Like, <laughs> who is this dude? And then seeing him show up in WWE, Those first couple ECW matches, like, uh, the ones with, like, Justin Credible, I was like, he, he had so many things that, like, I liked, you know, as, like, a fight fan, he came in with the, the freaking taped-up gloves, and he'd, like, do his hands like he was Vonderlay Silva, and he wore, like, the Japanese-style kick pads, which, like, a lot of people do wear those, but, like, he looked like a, like a shoot-style kind of performer, you know what I mean? Like, the way that he was just dressed, and then he was doing all the kenta moves that were like you know that scene in Noah, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> yeah, like?
2: man, doing like, the so uh, GTS. Yeah,
3: and the Koji Clutch, and you know knees and elbows and just things that you you know now are commonplace, but back then they were not commonplace in WWE. And then that that Money in the Bank moment, where like you know it's it, you always hear like this guy's contract is up. And once the contracts, and and they're getting a big push for the title, and you're like, well, they're definitely not winning. And it was like, it's him and John Cena in Chicago, it's his last night with the company, he's for sure not winning. And, like, there was so much buzz about that event and that match, but I knew for a fact he wasn't going to win. And, like, the next, and then, like, I didn't even see it live, to be honest with you, like, I had to go back and rewatch it, but, like, Hearing first of all that it was a five star match in WWE, like what? Like, they haven't had one of those since like, 1997, <laughs> and then that he did it with John Cena, like what? And then you know that he took the belt and then just left, and then they didn't have a title the next night. I'm like, what's going on? Yeah,
2: then he posts <laughs> a picture of the belt in his fridge in his apartment. <laughs>
3: Yeah, bro, and just everything with that pipe bomb. He talked about New Japan, he talked about ROH, he talked about Brock Lesnar, he talked about Hulk Hogan, he talked about The Rock, like all this stuff you're just not supposed to say. You know, he's wearing a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. I don't know if you recall, but like they were on the outs with Stone Cold
1: at right. the time. Yeah.
3: You couldn't you couldn't even reference him. And and this man comes out in a Stone Cold shirt, and I'm like, What's going on?
2: <laughs> Hi, Cole Cabana. <laughs>
3: Even like at the tail end of his run, uh, that Royal Rumble where he like was the Iron Man of that Royal Rumble, that's still like one of his best performances. He like went almost a full hour in that. You know, like I was a huge punk fan, man. And then we, even when we started this show and we did the uh, U.S. expansion, and there was speculation about him as a free agent and possibly the return of Brian Danielson, who was also out you know on injury and it was unknown if he'd ever come back and you know we we're kind of speculating if either of those two people could get involved with what was going on with New Japan and ROH at the time and like now now he's out and now he's an AEW and now all these companies are working together and anything is possible.
2: Yeah, he did make uh comments in the the post uh media scrum that you know he's an AEW guy but if Tony Khan wants him to, you know, work the G1. You'll, know, They'll talk about it. And um, so we have a lot of questions here, um, you know, revolving around CM Punk in New Japan. First from Hawaiian Punch BV says, uh, some big-name wrestler made his debut in AEW this past week. Hypothetically, if a forbidden door were to open, what dream matches would you like to see him against New Japan talent? Uh, same Similar question from Ricky with CM Punk back. Are there any dream type matches you'd like to see him in against anyone from NJPW? And Don Homie 101 says Any thoughts on the return of the man, the myth, the UFC icon, the cookie monster, and the chick magnet that's known as Philip Jack Brooks, aka CM Punk, besides Osprey? Who would some ideal opponents for Mr. CM Punk in New Japan be?
3: Well, since Dom Homie one already went there, I think the first one you have to throw out is Will Osprey, being that he's the premier wrestler in the company um, and the fact that both of them have mentioned one another in the very recent past as guys that they both like to work against. So, you know, there's a ready built story already there. And, you know, the idea that CM Punk was brazen enough for all those years to call himself the best in the world, when as good as he is, the truth is he probably never really ever was the best. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But but now you have to carry that moniker with you because that's who you've portrayed yourself to be for so long, and really never been. I, he spent some time in like zero one, and I think he may have done some like LA dojo work. I don't think he ever wrestled on any of the shows, but I think he uh, might have trained uh, briefly in the LA dojo. Like you know, did some you know shots there, but uh, you know he's never been in New Japan. And I right. think he's always wanted to. And then you've got, you know, Billy Goat, who thinks he's literally, like, the top guy in the world. So, I mean, I don't know. That's that's an easy one to make right there.
2: Yeah, and then also, I think, the biggest matchup, I'll see, is probably with Kazuchika Okada. And you're thinking of New Japan. and An Okada-Punk match, I think, would uh, be pretty cool to see.
3: The thing is... Um, and it's not that he's unique in this. There's a lot of people this way, but, like, with him, because he never has competed in New Japan, and most of the guys he may have worked with that were Japanese or, you know, were probably from NOAA or Zero One, one he just has a plethora of first-time matches. I mean, Tanahashi... Shingo. Naito. Shingo. Ishii. <laughs> Ishii is probably, like, my top pick because Ishii's always the guy that I go to when I want to see, like, let's see what this dude's made of. Like, you know, I, I don't know what Ishii and CM Punk looks like, but it <laughs> sounds like it would probably be awesome.
2: Right, and, and we see Ishii kind of adjust the style, too, to kind of throw some plunder in there. Like, they did with Moxie. You want to throw some tables in there, some smoke and mirrors to kind of cover up if you need to. Uh, I think yeah, Ishii's, like, the, the perfect, like, well-rounded guy. To go in there, I think with Punk would be like a good like kind of first. Like, all right, let's introduce Punk to the New Japan audience.
3: There, there is Moxley. Mm, yeah, and while while they're both in AEW, there's no denying that they could probably do some serious business in New Japan. Um, another guy that he's worked with in the past, Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they're probably going to do business at some point down the line. But I mean, I could see them working together in New Japan. Um, Zack Sabre. There's so many, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, you can literally just... I'll see Kenta, I think, you know, the GTS versus GTS.
3: Oh, that's, like, that's probably, like, the dream match because of how much, you know, Kenta, Kenta... From what from what I understand, Kenta doesn't like Sam Punk.
2: Right, and I don't know how much of that's a work or not. It could be a work. But I know Kenta's always, you know, kind of throwing jabs or, you know, talking about guys like Punk and Brian stealing all his moves and... They're, they're the ones that kind of get credit for the moves in the U.S. when it's really, you know, Kenta, who popularized the GTS, the Psycho Knee, uh, you know, the Yes Lock moves like that that some of these guys implemented.
3: Yeah, man. And, I mean, there's so many names. There's, you know, there, uh, Jeff Cobb's out there, you know? hmm There's just, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> you can just
2: literally just run down the roster. I mean, I don't know how likely a, a G- Did we more... not
3: say Tanahashi?
2: Yeah, you, you said Tanahashi.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, Tanahashi is a big one. A big
2: one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know how likely it is for him to work a G one but I mean, that would be like the best way to get like a ton of these great matches. Like we kind of got with Mox going in there, got to wrestle a bunch of people. It would be cool for him to kind of mix it up with a bunch of these people in the G1 uh, situation.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess the I was going to say you, you have political drawbacks when it comes to guys that are outside being in the G1. But I guess you could apply that to if he takes a part-time sort of big match status either way, that's kind of going to be a hurdle that they have to get over. Um, I I wouldn't be opposed to him being in a G1, but I also wouldn't be opposed to him um, maybe just doing big shots, you know. And here's the the other cool thing is, like, if you have, for instance, like, and I'm not saying it has to be these guys specifically, but obviously you've got Jericho, Moxley, guys that they've used in those roles in the past. And if you kind of have a circulation of guys like that, you know, let's say Punk, let's say, let's just throw them out. Let's just say Brian, Jericho and Mox. I mean, they they don't all have to be working at the same time. You can kind of rotate them. You know what I mean? Right. And have uh, a plethora of guys that you can call upon to do big matches. I mean, that's a lot nicer than, like, bringing in a whole roster of, like, ROH guys and have no big matches.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: And, no, we're also starting to see the Forbidden Door open when it comes to New Japan of America. Um, So I'm not sure how likely it would be or how possible it would be, but it would be pretty cool to use CM Punk on a New Japan of America big show. We're seeing the impact that he has on AEW. You know, over a million viewers on Rampage, like you mentioned, uh, most t teacher in Pro Wrestling Tees history in 72 hours. Uh, you know, millions and millions of YouTube views on the recaps on AEW's YouTube channel. Get- I, I went and did a Google search, and I put him,
3: John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and Becky Lynch all in the same search for the past seven days. And I mean, CM Punk smoked them. On Google Trends. I mean, it wasn't even close. He did more than double uh, what they did, which like, that's shocking. I mean, I I thought it was going to be higher, but I didn't realize how much more attention he had gotten. And I mean, that's their, that was their WrestleMania this year, probably. (laughs) Yeah. With With how big that show was, that was pretty much their WrestleMania. Either that or the upcoming Saudi show, so.
2: Yeah, so with, with the amount of buzz that he gets, like if you can get him on a New Japan of America show, I think that would do wonders for bringing you know, outside wrestling fan eyes to a New Japan show in America.
3: Well, I think the first things first, let's see what he does with Darby. Let's see if the reports of him being just as good as he ever was and hasn't lost a step, if that all rings true. Um, I don't doubt it, but, you know, dude, seven years is so long. You know, and I mean, I I can look back through history and think of guys have taken really long layoffs and come back and just not been the same, you know, shells of their former selves. And then other times you see guys come back and they're different than they were, but maybe better, you know, sometimes just as good. It's like they never misstep. So it's hard to say what that's really going to look like. Like we don't even know yet.
2: Right. So that pretty much. I'm excited,
3: though. I was just going to say, I'm excited for it, that's all.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I think the Derby match uh, should be a lot of fun and just seeing the kind of impact that um, Punk will have in AEW and just just the effect that it's already having uh, just based off of one appearance. Uh, I think it's just a really exciting time to be a wrestling fan.
3: I, I think the biggest thing, too, is he did say, like, he considers himself to be a you know out-and-out AEW out talent. That's kind of how he's considering himself. But the mere fact that they mentioned the idea of him doing a G1 means that they had to have at some point discussed that, which means he on some level probably has a a desire to do business in Japan. And I think deep down he always has since it's something he's kind of talked about. And, you know, regardless of what he said in the media, he's always been a fan of Japanese style wrestling. Um, So... I would, like, put big money on... If, if I was betting, I would put a lot of money on the idea that someday he works New Japan. I I think it's an inevitability at this point.
2: Yeah, I'm sure he'll probably have a, a contract similar to, to Moxley and some of the other beer guys that came in initially that were working both. And, yeah, you know, he's been talking to Tony Khan for over a year and a half, so I'm sure he's had plenty of time to think and iron out things that he would want to do in AW and elsewhere.
3: Well, the other thing, too, is, like, I don't even think guys are necessarily... Needing to have that kind of clause anymore, um you know. I'm not obviously if they can, you know, get more power to control their bookings, great. But with with the the mere fact that these companies are striking up a partnership and having talent, you know, exchanges, I think certain guys that don't even have clauses like that are going to still be primed to be able to work for New Japan in the future. You know.
2: Right. Well, let's move on from Mr. Punk and uh, jump into some New Japan news here. So, first thing, um, this came up at the very end of the show last week. So, I just wanted to bring it back up and also had some additional information. So, at the end of last week's show, we got the news that Shingo and Bushi uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, there was a update on, um, from Shingo. This comes from uh, Voices of Wrestling's Patreon. They have a, kind of a full write-up on there on the Patreon. But I pulled this little snippet here. Uh, based on Shingo, and it says that uh, Takagi is showing very mild symptoms and is telling people that he expects to be good to go for the evil match at Wrestle Grand Slam on September 5th. Even if Takagi tests negative by then, there is some concern among the crew as to whether he will be cleared by New Japan doctors, as Kota Ibushi felt healthy enough to work the Tokyo Dome show on July 25th, but was ultimately not cleared. Working in Takagi's favor is that other wrestlers... Diagnosed with COVID-19 have been cleared to wrestle quickly once they test negative. And we had a question here from Dom, DomHumey101. With Shingo having COVID-19 issues, how likely or unlikely is it to see Shingo defend the, his title against Evil?
3: Well, the unfortunate reality is is if he's unable to compete, I believe the IWGP committee is going to strip him of the belt and award it to Evil as the number one contender just outright. So we may just be looking at another evil title reign on the horizon.
2: Uh not necessarily. They they could turn the No, nope,
3: that's how it's happening. He's gonna if he doesn't <laughs> compete, that's a forfeit. Evil is your new IWGP world heavyweight champion.
2: That didn't happen and you can't, the- and
3: you, and you can't tell me otherwise. That's what's happening.
2: That didn't happen in the Abushi situation.
3: <laughs> that's because they didn't have a number one contender and clearly evil's the number one contender, so it's a little different.
2: Did they not have? Because Obushi was facing who's Bushi facing? He's supposed to face. Uh, never, never mind. All Okada,
3: that. Evil, evil is going to be the world champion. No, they they, <laughs> they could
2: they could do the uh, Okada Cobb match as a contender, number one
3: contender. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> evil. <laughs> um, you know, best thoughts uh, to Shingo. Uh, not even just for, not just because we want to see him wrestle, but because. You know, uh, I don't want him to get long COVID. I don't want him to have any complications, anything like that. So, you know, hope he's resting well. Hope he's recouping. Uh, the report that you just read is sounds great. Sounds like he has m- milder to no symptoms, which is awesome. Um, you know, a lot of the ref- – didn't they just have everybody vaccinated recently?
2: Yeah, yeah, Bushiro had all the wrestlers vaccinated about, I think, two or three weeks ago maybe.
3: Okay, yeah, I know that there is a time period before full efficacy takes place with the um, vaccines, but maybe perhaps that might be one of the reasons why he's feeling fine, which, if so, that's good. Um, but I don't know what they do if he doesn't wrestle, but based on the reports, it sounds highly likely that he will be able to wrestle in time, although the, the time frame is pretty close. So, I mean, it's it's precarious.
2: Yeah, I think his two weeks of quarantine would be up, I think, either that that Thursday or Friday leading into Wrestle Grand Slam weekend. Um, So yeah, like you mentioned, cutting it really close, and you know, his faith is kind of in the hands of New Japan doctors, but this report is kind of leading to good news. You know, he's not really experiencing any symptoms, seems to be fine, it's kind of a similar situation to Okada and some of the other guys who had gotten COVID um, a few months ago. And so it seems like Shingo should be able to be back in action to uh, wrestle evil on night two of Russell Grand Slam.
3: Now the, the big question is if he is unable to compete, what happens? Uh, I don't think they're going to strip him or anything like that because he'd probably be ready to defend the title or, you know, to compete very shortly after this provided everything goes well. So, I think the big question at that point is what ends up headlining the second night of these big shows. I don't really know.
2: Yeah, you might have to switch the card around. Uh, The next thing we're going to talk about could potentially be an option. So IWGP U.S. champ Tanahashi, he issued out a challenge to his uh, partner, Golden Ace Tag Team partner, Kota Ibushi, for September 4th, night one of Russell Grand Slam Kota Ibushi has accepted the challenge And the IWGB committee has made it official So it IWGB
3: be, committee
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: It will be Tanahashi defending his newly won US title against the Golden Star Kota Ibushi September 4th for Night 1 of Russell Grand Slam So I mean that's a potential you, you could move that match to night 2 And make that the main
3: Right but then you still Need a headliner for the first night So I'm just oh, wondering Okada and Cobb yeah, I guess so. I'm just wondering how these shows end up looking, considering that there's two of them, back-to-back. They're supposed to both be really big shows. I don't know. Right. Um, I guess that remains to be seen. Hopefully, we don't need to cross that that bridge. You know, hopefully, it doesn't come. So, um, we will see. But, yeah, the news about Tanahashi against Ibushi is outstanding. Um, obviously, Ibushi is a little bit uh, on the outs since, you know, not, you know, basically failing to become IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. So um, this is kind of like a good restart path for him at this point. And the thing is with him and Tanahashi, I think they've had, uh, if I recall, about six matches prior to this. And I don't think they've ever had anything less than a a four-and-a-half quality, four-and-a-half star quality match. Um, You know, namely that G1 finals that they had, what was that, 2018? Yeah, And that's one of the greatest matches in the history of New Japan in the history of professional wrestling. And for my money, it's the single greatest G1 final in history. Um, I don't expect them to necessarily replicate that, but I mean, this is one of the strongest series of matches in modern New Japan, and it doesn't get brought up as often as some of the other big, you know, you know, kind of more famous series. But I mean, bro, Tanahashi and abushi they kill it every time.
2: Yeah, so this should be a, another excellent matchup between these two U.S. title on the line. I mean, I also won't give the official preview predictions here, but this is a match where I really think you, you could go either way if you want to kind of get Ibushi back on track and give him a big push, or if you want Tanahashi to kind of be the red belt champion going forward and you know traveling between the U.S., he did said he'll, he'll be back, so you could keep it on Tanahashi in a good little spot for Tanahashi to be in as well.
3: Bro, Bushi wins the title. We got two domestic Japanese stars back-to-back as U.S. champion. I mean, tights turning on that belt. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the white man's belt, but they took it back.
2: Yeah, they took you know reclaimed it.
3: They reclaimed it.
2: <laughs> oh, man. So uh, next. Uh, this shit
3: belongs to Juice Robinson. No more. <laughs> Cody Rhodes, go to hell.
2: Jay White who? Yeah. Uh, But uh, next thing here, the Autumn Attack Tour for New Japan of America, that's on September 25th and 26th, had some big names announced for those uh, strong tapings. So we're going to have Will Ospreay, we're going to have Minoru Suzuki, and we're going to have the Murder Hawk Monster Lance Archer, all three of those names announced for Autumn Attack, which is happening at the Curtis Caldwell Center, September 25th. Twenty-six. These are uh, New Japan Strong TV tapings. This does mean that Suzuki will not be in the G1. So, Josh, thoughts on these three names being announced for Autumn Attack and then thoughts on Suzuki not being in the G1?
3: Um, I think it's great uh, to see them kind of stack up these TV shows because what that means ultimately is that us, the viewing audience, who are watching Strong we're not just going to get your standard fare, you know, Jared Kratos, uh, you know, uh, uh, like Mysterioso and, you know, Jordan Clearwaters. While those guys are great and I like them a lot, they're also rounding it out with domestic top stars, you know, international guys, AEW type guys, which really brings up the prestige level of the show. And it helps them. It also helps the guys that I mentioned. So, all around those shows sound like they're going to take a a step up in in notch and quality. The other thing too, is, you know, they were struggling to sell tickets in some of these markets and, you know, you got to imagine that this is going to be a boost to some degree. Now, to what degree? I don't know, because I was looking into this and reading and hearing that the cost of the tickets were, you know, exponentially higher in this building for New Japan than they were when, say, AEW ran the same market, the same building just recently. You know, it was, like, tickets that were, like, $30 were, like, $70. Tickets that were, like, $50 are now, like, $90, $100. And um, I really kind of have to question that logic on the New Japan side. Why, like, who made that decision? What You know, what kind of went into that? But ultimately speaking, I mean, having Osprey, Suzuki, and Archer on the card doesn't do anything but help, you know, so that's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I was looking to see if there's any updated numbers from WrestleTix. There's nothing nothing updated from the last numbers I had last week, but I did see, you know, New Japan tweeting out that certain sections were, um, you know, sold out. So I, I do think these three names definitely had an impact on increased ticket sales for the events. Like you said, how much? I guess we'll see when the final numbers come out. But like you mentioned, yeah, it's, it's great to have these names. It's going to elevate uh, strong and... Yeah, it's just going to make Strong more much, more uh, must-watch TV. You know, Strong's already great. You know, no fans and the names they had, But now we have fans. We have top names like Osprey, Suzuki, and Archer being on here. And I'm sure we'll get some kind of Suzuki-goon, you know, tag match with Suzuki and Archer teaming up against somebody, which would be pretty cool. Uh, so I think it's, yeah, great, great stuff from New Japan of America.
3: Yeah, I'm very ready for, you know, fans in attendance at the Strong tapings.
2: Yeah. Uh, So next thing here, we have the votes for the KLPW 2021 match. So after 17,598 votes that were cast worldwide, we have a uh, winner for the rules for the Chase Owen and Toriano match at September 4th.
3: Blindfold toehold match. You have to hit a (laughs) toehold with the blindfold on to win the match otherwise you lose <laughs>
2: don't 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 give them any ideas don't not give There's them a them.
3: <laughs> 20 minute time limit if neither man wins the KOPW the title becomes vacant and it will be just contet- just goes away <laughs> It will actually be contested by the IWGP title later that evening so <laughs> Evil and Shingo will be for the tit- for the KOPW/IWGP World Title a uh, unification of sorts.
2: You know that that's not a, not a bad idea.
3: And yeah. if Shingo is unable to compete, evil wins both titles by forfeit. The, not, the first ever double double champion.
2: Now you you've gone off the rails. <laughs> Uh but uh in actuality the, the vote was in favor of uh Toro winning seventy six point four percent of the vote, so it's going to be an I quit match. No DQ I quit match night one or some grand slam between Yano and Chase.
3: <laughs> Have you heard of a a DQ I quit match? You get to win, you gotta you gotta get the guy to say I quit, but you could get disqualified. <laughs>
2: sounds like something uh 2000 wcw would do
3: yeah that that would that, like w- aren't all i quit matches no dq like what the heck
2: they should be <laughs>
3: you know what though uh there was one time i was watching um oh man what is that there's a match i don't know uh, I, I i forgot so it doesn't matter i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> well, let's just move on <laughs>
2: Uh, so next thing we had um, a video update from Hiromu Takahashi issued a challenge to
3: you oh I know what it was okay I'm sorry okay this is this is it March 23rd 1981 Terry Funk versus Jerry Lawler at the Mid-South Coliseum it's a no DQ match but it ends in a count out because there was no disqualifications but it didn't mean that there wasn't still a, a count on the outside, you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> and i have never thought of that because in my lifetime, every no DQ match meant
2: no count, literally no rules. No out. Yeah,
3: yeah, no rules. But um, apparently, didn't always used to be that way. In fact, that match is incredible. It's like,
2: did not you show us that match?
3: I don't. I'm no. I think I showed you guys the empty arena. Match.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, the 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 no DQ match though is like one of my favorite. 80s matches but uh it is kind of jarring to see like someone get counted out in a no dq match you know but then you think about it you're like i guess it does kind of make sense because you never did say no count now like you know
2: right and i guess i don't know if it's something with the translations that maybe like an i quit could be translated as like a submission match to them maybe possibly (laughs) And so just oh, to,
3: like, the, like the ultimate submission match between, like, Angle and Benoit?
2: <laughs> something like that. Yeah, or just a regular, like, submission rules match, So maybe they're just clarifying, like, we mean a no-DQI-quit match, not, like, a submission match.
3: Well, that's good. You know, these guys have been cheating a lot, so... <laughs>
2: um, so I was saying, we had a video update from Hiromu Takahashi issued out a challenge Doki. He said he didn't, even, he didn't realize there was a uh, Super Junior Tag League <laughs> that was happening, and he wanted a <laughs> <laughs> a match... Uh, before, he faced off against Robbie Eagle, so he threw out a challenge to our good pal Doki here. So that's going to be coming up at uh, Cork and Hall later this week. That should be a pretty fun matchup there. Um, best Super Junior match was great.
3: Bro, is one of the best investments I've ever made as you know a podcaster. Uh, you can go back to the early days of Doki's run where I'm like, you know this guy Doki's kind of lit, and you're like, "What?"
2: <laughs> you were, yeah, you were ahead on that one.
3: And I'm like, this guy's underrated. Like he's kind of good, actually. I don't know all this hate, bro. You remember those early match ratings? Yeah, they were was,
2: yeah, honestly they were, the problem was he he just he was in there. Also, he had like Osprey and Dragon Lee. He had all these like. Chingo, you had all these guys and it was like
3: Bandito.
2: Right, it was like you were comparing him to all these guys in which he was still pretty good compared to those guys, but still people were looking at like, you know, Osprey and Bandito having, you know, a 4.75 to 5 star match and, you know, he's maybe having like a three-and-a-half match. People are like, he sucks!
3: <laughs> nah, bro. Bandito, like, literally, we're, we're going to talk about it, but I was watching today's show, and I was like, this man just every night wrestling like I can't go back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not going back to Mexico. I'm here.
2: <laughs> not not going back to the, the Mud Hole uh, Indy in, in Tijuana. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, so him and—and and actually, him and Hiromu wrestled each other in the Super Juniors, and uh, if I—oh, yeah, that match was crazy. Yeah, remember, remember, they did a bunch of crazy dives in that match So I'm kind of excited for that Like, yeah, if you guys aren't on the Doki cha- train, you, you need to get on the Doki train
2: Hop on now, before it's too Hop late <laughs> Yeah. Uh
3: yeah
2: Also coming up this... I think
3: Doki should beat Robbie Eagles
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Or maybe uh, Doki can beat Hiromu and get inserted into the, the title match It'd be a three-way you
3: know, you know what I don't like is that, like the only thing that Doki's really over for with most fans is Gino Gambino saying, Doki Choki! But I'm like, no, nah, I, I, I'm with him because he wants the smoke. This man is ready to kill himself, you this, know? Yeah,
2: this man be, you know, throwing his body to the ground.
3: Bro, he throws his body to the ground like, like no other. It's incredible. Yeah, like
2: this, this man be going head first into the rails for no today's reason. Cor-
3: <laughs> today's Cork and Hall, there was nobody there. This man's wrestling like it's, you know madison square garden you know this
2: this man's trying to get a g1 spot
3: (laughs) he's trying to get something
2: he's like man all these people are in the u.s i'll I'll slide in a spot
3: (laughs) well he knows he knows the dirty little secret that if you're a domestic talent you didn't wrestle in that that funky no gay dojo you gotta work triple hard you know just get half the the results
2: Uh, but also coming up this week uh, in the Cork and Hall shows that were started today, we had the debut of New Young Lions. Uh, so, Ryohei Oiwa, o- I'm probably butchering their names. And Co- I think it's
3: Oiwa. Oiwa? And, uh, Oiwa. I don't know. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, yet. I was trying to
2: listen back to the, to the announcer, but I didn't quite get it. I'll, I'll get it eventually. And Kosei Fujita. All right, you look that up, so yeah, so oh, uh, Rohei and Kosei Fujita, they uh, will be competing against each other all this week on the Summer Struggle Tour.
3: Here, just wait. I'm gonna play it for you. All right, you ready? Yep. Oiwa, 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 oiwa. oi-wa. You hear that?
2: Yes. Yeah, so oiwa and Fujita. So
3: okay, o- I got that from uh, howtopronounce.com. So if if it's incorrect, don't uh, don't look at us. <laughs>
2: So, uh, Oiwa is 22 years old, 180 centimeters, and weighs in at 90 kilos. Uh, he started out on the amateur mats in middle school, continued through college. He ranked third in the JLC Nationals in 2018 at the 86-kilogram weight class. He participated in the December 2020 Noge Dojo tryouts and entered the dojo in April and then Fujita also joined the Noge Dojo in April. He was a part of that same December 2020 tryout. He's 19 years old, stands at 178 centimeters and 83 kilograms. He also wrestled in high school, and he won the JOC Western and Central Japan Freestyle Tournament at 80 kilograms.
3: Yeah, so I'm not as knowledgeable about... Um amateur wrestling folk wrestling stuff like that as you are but i did a little bit of searching and so the jlc means junior open championship nationals is what i understand mm-hmm. um and it sounds like most countries have them like in america we have a junior open ch- uh championship as well so it sounds like some sort of like prestigious tournament that occurs in different countries you know um And yeah, I mean, this guy, Oywa, he went, you know, placed third in the Nationals. Fujita, a little bit younger, looks like he, you know, he won the Western and Central, Japan, you know, the JOC Western and the Central Japanese Freestyle Tournament at 80. So, I mean, you got two freaking studs on the mat is what it sounds like to me. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about their match here in a second. But yeah, I mean, just based off of that, these guys look great. Uh, We had a question from PR. Is a young lion narrative the best storytelling framework in wrestling?
3: It's one of them. I mean, it it really is, because I mean the <laughs> it's okay, so like not everybody is a nerd like me and Jeremy and some of the you know, your diehard Jap- you know, New Japan pro wrestling fans who like eat and breathe this young lion life. But for those of us that do, I mean, this stuff really matters. But for people that are invested fans in Japan, the people that attend the shows on a regular basis, especially your Cork and Hall crowd, I mean, they really get to see these young men, you know, from the age of 18, 19, 20, raise up over the course of two, three, sometimes four years. And really see them come into their own, see their character develop, and then they go away. And then when they come back, it's such a big deal. And it's like you have ready-made stars because the people remember them from years ago. And like, it's it's awesome. Like, you know, even today, like uh, we we I had the recommended match of the week. And when you're watching that, you're seeing Baby Show and Baby Yo on the outside back in 2013. And now look at where they're at right now, and look look at their saga and everything, and I mean, yeah, there's so much history involved with all of this, and I mean, it adds an element of, like, prestige, an element of tradition, like, there's, there's so many positives behind the way that New Japan does the online framework, and it's not like other companies don't have something similar, you know, there's definitely dojos, and you know, green boys, and young boys, and young girls all over japan and america but nobody seems to put all the pieces together and develop the way that new japan does
2: right it, it's been a system that's been working for you know almost 50 years now you, you look back and you, you look at former iwgp champions top stars you can trace it allow them back to them starting at the noge dojo and their their time as young lions as young boys and, and coming through and just a great stories that, you know, that we, we see of guys like Suji and Yamura and that we've seen over the years. And these guys, you know, fighting to get better than each other and just watching their whole journey and watching them go on excursion and then come back. It's such a great, like, storytelling moment. And just a true, like, from the very beginning to where they end up being. It's a great story that you can tell.
3: Even like, okay, for instance, um... There is a Facebook user, Jer Besker, who, for my money, probably is the best content uh, sharer on Facebook. I'm not really on Facebook a lot, but, like, you know, I'll hop on to see my notifications. But he's always putting out fire content. Well, I don't know who he is. I just know he's a Japanese wrestling enthusiast. And somehow, he unearthed the rare footage of young Minoru Suzuki versus Antonio Inoki, like fabled footage that was literally like for the past. I mean, that match happened in 89, I believe. So, you know, over 30 years, people have been saying that that there was no video footage of the match at all. You know? Yeah. And uh, there's pictures of it and there's stories about it. And, you know, the, the story of Inoki you know, challenging for his final IWGP title against uh, uh, Fujinami on that 8... Or, uh, yeah, Fujinami on that 8, 8 show. And then he fails, and he has to start back at the beginning. He starts fighting the young boys, and then he, he fights uh, Minoru Suzuki, who is his hand-picked protege in the dojo at that time. And people have always wanted to see this footage, and, like, there's never been any. Well, apparently there's a fan cam out there. I saw it. I watched it. And, like... I'm marking out like crazy because I'm seeing two of the biggest legends in the history of Japanese professional wrestling wrestle at this really like crazy pivotal moment where like Anoki's getting ready to go into his swan song era. And like, you know, Suzuki's getting ready to go to like pro wrestling Fujiwara Gumi. And then he's going to go to Pancrase and then he's going to become an MMA legend and, you know, beat Ken Shamrock and everything that follows after that. And then come back and be this madman that he is today. And it's like, you know, that investment's not there without the dojo system and the lore that's produced from it. Like that's the kind of lore. I like it. I don't like, I don't like fiend lore. I like dojo.
2: (laughs) Yes. The dojo lore is great. And I'm definitely looking forward uh, to to seeing these new young lines and watching their journey, which started today um, at Cork and hall on a summer struggle show that happened this morning. Uh, they open Bro,
3: this is the third class of Lions since we've started the show.
2: Which is crazy to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so these guys opened the show today. Uh, Vegeta and... How do you say his last name again? Oiwa? Oiwa. 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 So Vegeta and Oiwa uh, opened up the show today. 10-minute time limit draw. Could have prob- I, prob- I was shocked.
3: I was shocked. The idea that two young lions that debuted on the same day would go to a ten minute draw I mean how who could have seen that coming?
2: Right. I completely, you know, out of left field, field booking here for New Japan.
3: Yeah, this was this is quite a departure from uh, Gato's, you know, normal booking. I, I thought Fujita was gonna come out here and wreck Oiva within like eighty six seconds, you know? <laughs> pretend uh, to shake his hand, hit him with the Uranagi, get the one, two, three, you know.
2: Big moment, yeah.
3: Oh, wait, no, that was uh, a. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and what's her face? <laughs> uh,
2: Bianca Belair. Yeah. Uh, we had a question from Dom Hoy 101. Any thoughts on the two newest young Lions?
3: Guys, 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 if you haven't seen Kosei Fujita versus Ryohei Oiwa, do yourself a favor. Go watch this match. Um,. This is just my humble opinion. This is the best debut Young Lions match that I can ever recall having watched. Uh, And what I mean by that is two Young Lions debuting together. This was outstanding. I mean, um, you guys know that I've done some training. And, like, I'm sitting there watching them do particular things. I'm like, why don't – I should be doing it like that. Like, why haven't I – why haven't (laughs) I thought to do these small little intricate things the way they're doing them like – this looked like a shoot, you know,
2: bro. That's what I do. As soon as I started watching, and, and the way they were grappling, like I was like, Are these guys shooting on each other. Like the, the wrestling was just so fluid and seamless. Also, you, you can see, you know, that, that national amateur wrestling background coming to play here. Like their wrestling was just so smooth. And like you mentioned, yeah, this is probably one of the best debuts that we've seen as uh, for young lions. Two young lions going against each other.
3: Guys, please don't misunderstand when I say this. We adore Suji. We adore Yumora. I am not shitting on them in any way. I'm not telling you that these guys are better than they are current day. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, Fuji or uh, Suji and Yumura are probably light years beyond these guys right now. But what I will say is we were doing this podcast when Suji and Yumura made their debut, and we were pretty impressed. But this... Match with Fujita and Oiwa was way beyond where Suji and Yumura started when they made their debut. I mean, way past it.
2: Yeah, these guys are busting out, um, Kamoras. I don't think I've ever, really, you don't really see young lions doing like Kamoras a lot and arm bars. Bro, one,
3: one of them hit a bridging, like, suplex, like, right off the gate as soon as the match started. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, that's different. <laughs> but, like, the transitions, man, they were so fast. Like, the, um, like the sit outs were just so crisp and so fast and the standing switches um every everything about the way they moved i was like man they they move the way that real wrestlers move
2: and yeah and the crazy thing is they've only been in the dojo for about 5 months that's it i think right oh, hold on not this april oh maybe they were april yeah cuz they the trial was december 2020 and they started april 2021
3: holy crap <laughs> bro dude i mean like i i remember those matches that i made you watch with fujinami and ryuma go and like that's how these guys wrestle like that style or like those uh kind of under appreciated unheralded uh Kushida show matches that's kind of how they wrestled but it kind of reminded me of like brock lesnar and kurt angle yeah or like kurt angle and chris benoit like that's high praise, man. These guys really—I mean, they—they're throwbacks. I—I I mean, I don't know which one's which at this point.
2: <laughs> right. Honestly, I'm still trying to learn who, who which one is which, as far as because um, you know they well, both they both have to shave, um, the shaved the buzz cut right now and a very similar like with, stature.
3: Yeah, like with yumora and Suji, you can kind of tell because of the size difference, but. Like remember when Suji and Niemore both debuted? It was still hard because they were both so cut up at the time. Mm-hmm. And then and then Suji and Niemore kind of filled out, and you're like, oh, Suji's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know Fujina and Oiwa, I don't know what they're gonna, you know, I'm I, I can't wait for them to have different hairstyles so I can tell which one's which. But uh, for the time being, I don't know who's which. But all I know is like, man, they really had an awesome match. And then after it was like. Anything you can do, I could do better. It was just like hold, some, you know, hold, reversal, reversal, hold, reversal, hold. Bro, they're drop kicks. I yes, know every, yes,
2: the, yes, the drop kicks are great.
3: I know every young lion has great drop kicks, so that's nothing new. But, like, they were awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, I also found interesting like uh, utilization of the the half crab. when it, We've mainly seen, like, the L.A. Dojo guys be the main ones that kind of use that half crab. Uh, versus the double crab but at one point one of them did use um half crab in the match so that was interesting.
3: Bro it's because they're fetishizing uh freaking uh <laughs> LA Dojo. <laughs> no Chibata. uh Lance Storm, you know oh. <laughs> there's a lot of Lance Storm <laughs> and Maple Leaf, you know what I'm saying? They're yeah. like, this man won three WCW titles simultaneously. And they're like, oh <laughs> 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 this shit works
0: <laughs> of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com.
2: But yeah, great debut. Looking forward to watching uh, the remainder of their matches this week. Uh, Don Honey also had another question. What would would the future look like for Katsura Kitamura if he would have stayed with the company?
3: I mean, it's hard to say because, I mean, I think the dojo system is a system— that you know for better or for worse weeds out particular wrestlers you know and i'm not saying like oh they couldn't have made it or anything like that i don't you know wrestling's hard man i don't know everyone's particular situation and we don't even still to this day fully know what happened with Kidamar. we heard stories of like a uh, like what was it like a moped accident he got like really hurt
1: yeah up. his
2: foot got messed up yeah
3: but we don't know. I mean, you know, uh, there. I've seen some stuff online recently where he just looks incredible right now. So, who knows? Maybe he could come back. I, I re- you know, at some point. I'm not really sure. But um, based on the way they were pushing him, it seemed as though they were investing in him as like a major player for the future. That's what it seemed like. Right. He
2: got that. Big, um, you know, challenge series, and he was facing off against some, you know, big heavyweights, and seemed like yeah, they were getting him reared up to, you know, go on excursion and come back to be a big star.
3: Hey, you want to hear something funny? Yeah. If you go back and you listen to the early, because when we started this show, they were in the middle of the uh, (laughs) young lion cup, the the young lions cup twenty seventeen, and I was livid. That uh, Kawato lost to Katsuya Kitamura. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't remember that.
3: <laughs> I wanted Kawato to beat Kitamura so bad, bro. <laughs> I was all in on Kawato, bro. I thought oh, he was man. like, because he'd been the man, and Kitamura only like, been with the company a, a you know a much shorter time than him, and like I know he like. Bro, this guy was doing the jackhammer.
2: People, Is he, he was <laughs> spear and his, jackhammer.
3: His two moves were the spear and the jackhammer.
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, he was wrecking heard young of lions. A lion
3: doing a jackhammer.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. Who knows what the future would have been for him? Obviously, they had, they had big things planned. plan. IWGP world
3: Champion, probably,
2: yeah, probably, yeah. Or you know upper mid card you know top star, but you know he's not here, and we have some great young lines on excursions, and it's gonna be interesting to see what happens when guys like Suji and Yamura come back.
3: Yeah, I saw a big uh, post from JCast this past week. They're like, "What are some of the biggest what ifs?" I didn't put that in there, but now I'm thinking about it. Like the Katsuya Kita is probably a big what if, because I mean, how many young lines ever came through the system like looking like him and you know, pushed like him. huge. Uh, Easy. Look at him. He's huge.
2: <laughs> oh man. But yeah, who knows? Maybe he'll, he'll come back one day.
3: Probably not. He was old as fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Olds down bad. <laughs> uh, but looking at the rest of this uh, cork and card here, we had a bunch m- of
3: stuff happen There's some <laughs> matches. Let's move on to uh, the upcoming shows this week.
2: Uh, we had Wato and Kojima Defeating Tiger Mask in Hanma Kojima getting the pin over Hanma
3: Which is lucky because now Wato and Kojima Move up in the rankings As the premier uh, Junior heavyweight Mixed tag team mm. they're, I don't know if you Heard the rumors but next year they're actually Planning to institute a third Tag team title Openweight tag title No it's strictly junior heavy Mm. So you have to have a junior and a heavy heavy Tag team member on each side
2: So we're going to have a uh, Super junior heavy tag league
3: Yeah super junior heavy tag <laughs> Tournament it's only a tournament It's not a league it's single elimination
2: Nah It's no actually going
3: to happen It's going to happen at the same time as New Japan Cup It's going to be a 16 team <laughs> tournament
2: Nah knowing them it'll probably be a league <laughs> Romi
3: uh, Takahashi and Shingo are gonna fuck everybody up, bro.
2: That would that would be
3: awesome.
2: <laughs> uh, following that match, we had uh, Chase Owens and Jado uh, defeating Taguchi and Yano by disqualification. Yano got a kendo stick and was going into a death match Yano mode and uh, beat the crap out of Owens and Jado with a kendo stick and got disqualified. Yeah. Then the semi-main event, we had the United Empire, Great Okan and Jeff Cobb defeating the team of Harioshi Tenzon and Kazuchika Okada. Cobb getting the pin on Tenzon, Also, they're building up for the Cobb-Okada match at Wrestle Grand Slam night one. So, good seeing those guys mix it up again.
3: Towards the tail end of the match, Jeff Cobb um, hit Okada with a giant kneeling um, pi- or uh, tombstone piledriver. Yeah which kind of eliminated Okada from, you know, being a factor in the match. And the remainder of the match, he was on the outside just kind of getting his neck iced. I wonder if that's going to be a story, you know, especially the idea that Jeff Cobb stole that move from Okada. And then if you notice when Okob, or I'm sorry, when Okab when (laughs) Khan hit uh, Tenzan with the... uh, tour of the islands he did a ripcord before it sort of like a rainmaker so yeah. sort of like a, a little tease or an allusion to the rainmaker there so yeah interesting stuff also there's always the uh old country beef between okab okan and Tenzon.
2: right yeah both of them the whole uh mongolian chop view they had earlier this year and of course there was a mongolian chop exchange uh, between no Tenzon
3: does not do mongolian chops he does something else
2: he does uh japanese chops
3: yeah, he does. The overhand Japanese chops are different than Mongolian chops. They're not the same.
2: It's different.
3: They actually have a name for it, but, you know, this is why the Never Committee would never put up with this shit. You know what I'm saying? Right.
2: The Never Committee the never, keeps up with its stipulations.
3: The Never Committee would have gone to the board of directors and had Tenzan's license revoked for not adhering to the stipulation of the match.
2: Yeah, he'd be done. He'd be out of out of territory.
3: He'd be a AEW-style manager. Just an old, you know, representing. <laughs> he, he'd just be out here, like, representing, like, Kojima and shit, you know?
2: Yeah. Well,
3: That's what... New Japan needs to, you know, do that. Bring back some of these olds and let them be managers.
2: Bring back uh, Sano. Have him out here managing people. Sano? Yeah.
3: Sano?
2: isn't that the dude that uh, wrestled?
3: Oh, Naoki Sano.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you
3: want Naoki Sano to be a manager? I
2: don't know. That was the first old name that came to my head.
3: <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah. Man. I'm I, I'm tired of these old juniors like being the manager. We need like Chodo to be a manager. You know, bring back Monster Morning. Hmm. You know, why, why can't, uh, what about the, the wild man, um, freaking, what's his Mark face? No, <laughs> not him, from suzuki from Goon. Oh, um,
2: uh, Iska. Th-
3: yeah, Iska could be a manager.
2: Uh, I think he'd be too out of control to manager.
3: No, he'd be just, in, just out of control enough. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then when they do like crossovers with AEW, we could have manager face-offs. You know, Jake Roberts and Iska go face to face.
2: Tully Blanchard and uh, uh, who could Tully go up against?
3: Arn Anderson and Liger just going nose to nose.
2: Oh man! Yeah, let's move on to the the main event here. So the main event was Chaos Team of Hiroki Goto, Robbie Eagles, and Yoshihashi defeating. The Suzuki-gun team of Doki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. So Goto gets a win over Doki. Uh, Tried to do a post-match attack on Goto, but Yoshihashi came in and made the save. Building here for the uh, tag title match that will be happening at Russell Grand Slam. The three-way with Goto Yoshihashi against Tekkers against Sonata and Naito.
3: Yeah, good main event. Didn't overstay its welcome. 23 minutes, perfect amount of time. Everybody got time to shine. Um, like you mentioned, they're building to that triple, uh, three-way uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team match. We, we don't get a lot of three-ways for the heavyweight tag titles. It's usually the junior titles, so right. that's kind of cool. But, um, I mean, Goto and Yoshihashi were putting the work in on Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. They whipped that ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, they did.
3: Eagles and Doki looked really good. But the the surprising um, sequences that impressed me were Goto and Doki and the crazy thing about it was Doki was fucking up Goto for most of this match. Bro,
2: I told you, this man's trying to get the G1. <laughs> he sees all them open spots. He's like, I'm, I'm taking oh. one.
3: <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, he was really putting it on Goto. I'm like, man, this man, Goto. Like, I don't know what happened. They must have all been, like, playing cards backstage and, like, all right. What do you bet? Like, you're all, you're all out of chips, Goto. What do you bet? Like, you have nothing. He's like, I want, deal me another hand. And, like, you, you don't have anything else to bet. He's like, all right. If I lose his hand, Doki can uh, get five minutes of offense on this match against me. They're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and then Goto obviously lost. He, he put down a, you know, full house and someone had a royal flush and he was like, fuck.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that,
3: must, that, I can't,
2: that must have happened in the bull Club feud, too. Because Remember, he got uh, messed up by uh, Taiji Shimori during that feud.
3: <laughs> no, no, no. He got beat. By Taiji Shimori. Yeah, like two, two,
2: two or three times. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, Doki, yeah, man, Doki was, like, really putting it on Goto. But uh, ultimately, Goto, you know, used his seniority and his politicking to uh, <laughs> to keep this man Doki down at the ground level.
2: Oh, man. One, you know, one day, man, Doki will bust through this glass ceiling.
3: This man Doki's trying to break out, you know? The, the old guard... Hiroki Goto, trying Do- to keep him to
2: Doki's part of that new generation.
3: I can't wait for Doki to like cut a promo where he's like, when I think about what you and all your old friends did to keep me down, it makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll just punish Doki, you know. Good old Doki, he'll rise to the occasion. He'll come back later. He can take the punishment. He's like... You you want me to study the game? I am the
2: fucking game. Oh, Oh, man. man. But uh, let's run through the rest of the uh, Summer Struggle shows for this week. I don't know why I
3: like Doki so much tonight.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because Doki's a man. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow's show, Wednesday, August 25th, we're going to have another uh, matchup between Vegeta and Oiwa. And then we'll have uh, match number two, Bull Club's cutest tag team, ELP and Taiji. We'll be taking on the Sugun team of Doki and Minoru Suzuki. Third matchup, we're going to have Togi Makabe and Toroyano versus Chase Owens and Jado. Then the semi main event, we're going to have Kazuchika Okada and Tomiyoka Hanma versus United Empire. And then the main event, we're going to have eight man tag elimination match with the Chaos team of Goto, Robbie Eagles. Yoshihashi teaming up with Tiger Mask to take on the Suzuki team of Desperado, Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanamaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Then the next day on Thursday, August 26th, once again, Fujita and Oiwa will lock it up. Then we'll have Tenzan and Wato against Eagles and Hanma. Third matchup, we're going to have Goto, Yoshihashi, and Tiger Mask against Doki and the Dangerous Techers. Semi-main event, Despi, Suzuki, and Kanamaru against ELP, Jato, and Taiji. And then the main event will be Kazuchika Okada and Satoshi Kojima against the United Empire. And then on Friday, August 27th, once again, the fourth matchup between Fujita and Oiwa. Then we'll have Goto Yoshihashi and Taguchi against Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. Third matchup, Okada and Makabe versus United Empire. Then the semi-main event, singles match, Robbie Eagles versus Master Wato. And the main event that we talked about earlier, ticking time bomb, Hiromu Takahashi makes his in-ring return to take on Doki.
3: Any chance that Fujita or Oiwa pin one another or beat one another this week?
2: Uh, If I was a betting man, I I would (laughs) bet that these guys have three more draws this week.
3: You know, one thing we forgot to mention, um, Nakashima, the other young line from this class that had debuted and then injured his arm in that match against you earlier this year, he was on the outside during their debut match. And they kept panning in on him and mentioning his name. Uh, Yuto Nakashima, that's his name. And, um, and you know what it sound probably to the listener, it sounds like I read his name, but you can confirm looking at me and the thing I, am not even reading it. I no, just you remember
2: said off, off a of dome.
3: Yeah, off the dome, but Yuto Nakashima. So, it seems like he's probably getting ready to uh, make a return as well. During the main event, there was a moment where he got kind of brutalized a little bit by Taiji, I noticed. So, you know, I know he had like a shoulder separation or dislocation, something like that. And, um, you know, I don't think they could touch him and pull a shirt off and throw him into the barricade if he wasn't ready to go. So, you kind of got to wonder if he, you know, when he's going to kind of make his return and kind of make a play also i mean is gabe kidd still concerned a lion we haven't heard from him in a while it's gonna be interesting when he comes back and he's like whoa where's sujin (laughs) Yamura? who are these guys right (laughs) and why is it so easy to beat all three of them
2: yeah that man's (laughs) his win-loss record is gonna be racked up
3: (laughs) oh gabe kidd's gonna be bro uh 2022 you know uh Keep it a strong style year end awards, he's going to be the Young Lion of the Year. Like, no doubt. Hands King down. <laughs> Hands down. He's going to fuck everybody up. If they do a Young Lion Cup, they better not because he's going to go undefeated. <laughs>
2: uh, but yeah, uh, and Yuto, yeah, like you mentioned, there's a lot of like camera shots on him, so I'm sure he'll be back in action pretty soon. Probably get in the mix with Fujita and Oiwa, and we'll get a little three way rivalry with those guys.
3: So it sounds like we got a lot of matches, but nothing really matters till the 27th is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah,
2: those two yeah, two big singles matches. Yeah, Eagles and Wato, uh, Takahashi and Doki. Obviously, I'm expecting the Eagles to defeat Wato, Takahashi to de- defeat Doki. Kind of warm up matches for them heading into Wrestle Grand Slam.
3: Is it going to be like a double gold dash situation where Wato and Doki got to fight each other for the consolation prize at the end?
2: Uh it could be they need to fill out those those cards still. So why not? Wato versus Doki run it back.
3: Yeah, Watto can get this work from Doki.
2: Yeah. Doki can get that get that win back.
3: Hold hold this chokey, you know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs> hold this pipe. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, let's uh, hop back over to New Japan of America, talk about this past Friday's episode of Strong. We had Summer Struggle in the USA, night one uh, show opened up. We had, hold on, looks like I copied. I was going
3: to say, this does not look right. I do not remember Juice (laughs) Robinson, Leo Rush, or Birdie King wrestling on this show. Yeah, my bad. (laughs) I
2: I copied uh, next week's card twice here. You know what, I know
3: exactly what happened. The Drama King, Matt, something. What's his name? Uh, Morris. Matt Morris wrestled um, Alex Coughlin in his challenge series.
2: Yes, he did. Yeah, that was the opening match. Yeah, what did you think about uh, the debut of the former A English, now Matt Morris?
3: He's all right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a pretty basic uh, matchup. I wasn't, you know... I mean, he really didn't do anything out of this world to be like, man, he needs he needs to stick around. But I mean, it was a solid match. He ended up winning, defeats Coglin uh, eight minutes and thirty two seconds.
3: Yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything where I was like blown away. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, it was passable. I guess it's kind of similar to how I felt about Fred Rosser um, when when he first sort of made the debut. I think I'm a little wary anytime like a you know, a well-known kind of, like, WWE guy, you know, who kind of came through that system, kind of makes their debut. But um, at the same time, it's very interesting to sort of see Alex Coughlin get this, you know, these different looks, these different uh, experiences, as he's kind of going through this, like, challenge series, which probably is inevitably leading to his graduation, much like Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks.
2: Right, yeah, this is definitely kind of an interesting yeah, matchup for him, but yeah, it was good to see Coughlin get these opportunities. I thought he looked great, uh, Morris looked fine. I mean, uh, I would really be, you know, clamoring for him, them to bring him back, but good match here for Coughlin. Uh, second matchup, we had Clark Connors, Fred Narita, and TJP defeat the team of a debuting Red Def, Daniel Garcia, Fred Rosser, and Fred Yehai. So continuing to build the rivalry here between Ren Narita and Fred Rosser, we're going to have a big singles match coming up. And then also we've got this debut of uh, Daniel Garcia, who's been tearing it up on the independent scene and in AEW lately. Yeah. I don't really
3: have a, a, a lot to add to that. I mean, it was just interesting to sort of see this collection of talent. I mean, you know, if it was a couple of years ago, you kind of looked at where these guys were and some of them, you, like for instance, Clark Connors and Rennerita, we might not even know who they were, but I mean, it's just so weird to see this convergence of different talent and all their background and see them like kind of meeting here. I mean, this is kind of an example of like a open door, forbidden door sort of match. I mean, just look at where everybody came from. It's so weird.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and Daniel Garcia and Freddie Yeahi, those are two guys I would I would think would fit in perfectly with Team Filthy. Um, I know Yeahi was a part of Team Filthy in MLW, but both of those guys, great grapplers, I think they fit in more of Team Filthy than the West Coast Wrecking Crew, which we'll talk about, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but- I
3: disagree a little bit. I I think Fred Yeahi definitely does, but I don't agree when it comes to Daniel Garcia. I see him as like a technical specimen when it comes to like professional wrestling, but he doesn't s- seem to have that gritty, hard hitting sort of MMA uh, influence. And yeah, maybe yeah. that's that's just my observation. I actually haven't seen as much of his work as other people have.
2: Yeah, I still know a lot of the stuff I see is always really, you know, grapple heavy based, but yeah, he doesn't really have kind of like the MMA style background. But I mean neither does um, West Coast Wrecking Crew.
3: Well I would say Jarrell Nelson doesn't fit that bill, but Royce Isaacs That's does. That's right. Yeah,
2: he's he's done blood sport. Yeah,
3: yeah, and I mean he's trained extensively. I mean him and um, Chris Dickinson—they've mentioned on the air that they're like training partners, and he he really can, you know, work that style. Um, but they don't tend to work that style as the West Coast Wrecking Crew, so they kind of seem a little bit as like an odd fit with that group. I I, I liked Tyler Russ better.
2: Yeah, well, who knows? Maybe he'll be back once his uh, thirty or days are up. What was his are, name? Uh, Russ Taylor. Ru- uh, I'm getting them mixed up. What? What? I think it's Russ. Russ Tyler. I, I don't.
3: I don't know which one he was anymore. <laughs> Neither
2: do <laughs> I. <laughs> Have
3: you seen the movie Enemy? No. We watched the movie Enemy last night with Jake Gyllenhaal. Weird movie. Similar concept. You know.
2: Just not, not remembering things. <laughs>
3: No, no, no. Like it's like it's about like Jake Gyllenhaal, but he's two different people. But you don't know which one's which and what's going on. It's like really uh, hard to decipher what's really happened. I kind of feel like that with Tyler Rust, Russ Taylor.
2: Yeah, he'll he'll be one of those things, and maybe he'll show back up once his uh, thirty days uh, no compete it's up. Uh, he's
3: basically Jake Gyllenhaal an enemy. <laughs>
2: We mentioned West Coast Wrecking Crew. They were in the main event here. Accompanied by J.R. Kratos. they got the win back over Violence Unlimited's Brody King and Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson, 951. Avenge the loss from the Tag Team Turbulence uh, Tour, and things are paying off for them being a part of Team Filthy.
3: I liked this match a lot better than the— uh tag team turmoil match it just seemed to kind of mesh a little bit better makes sense second time with the two teams working together and a little bit more clearly defined roles and motivations and yeah i thought this was a good main event it's weird like you know this this whole show wasn't one where i was watching it thinking like man this is blow away but the some of its parts when you add them all together like it's just such a good solid wrestling show
2: yeah, and definitely, you know, planting seeds for, for future stuff. Also, we had the Coughlin series. They're doing stuff with Narita and Fred Rosser. And then uh, this uh, Team Filthy Violence Unlimited feud has been going on for a while now, and it's going to continue leading up to some of the strong tapings that happened already. So, some story development things happening. Uh, good episode of Strong. Uh, next week, um, or excuse me, this week, I should say, August 27th, we're going to have a main event of. Juice Robinson, Leo Rush, Brody King, and Chris Dickinson, once again, taking on Team Filthy of Tom Waller, J.R. Kratos, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. In the semi-main event, the Alpha Wolf, Carl Fredericks, will be taking on Alexander James, and then the opener will see Wheeler Utah, Adrian Quest, and the DKC taking on the, I think they're called the, the Stray Dogs now, uh, Bateman, Mysterioso, and Barrett Brown.
3: Interesting lineup. Uh, Looks
2: like a pretty good show. Should be. Yeah. So now
3: I'm, I'm ready for these uh, live shows. <laughs> yeah, I,
2: yeah. The show with fans. Hopefully, they'll those will be starting soon. Uh, yeah, because that's going to bring so much life and energy to those shows. Um, now we have some other news items to go over real quick. Uh, Yu Yomora gave his uh, first post-graduation interview. That is up on NJPW1972.com. You can check that out. There's also a interview with Yo uh, called the show Showdown where Yo rewatches the footage uh, of Show turning on him and kind of gives an interview and starts talking about, you know, the cracks and when did they happen and all this stuff and kind of setting up, uh, you know, the big feud uh, between Show and Yo. And it kind of sounds like they might end up wrestling at Wrestle Grand Slam. Did you see any of this?
3: I was watching this literally just prior to us uh recording and boy is this guy yo sad.
2: Yeah, this this man's oppressed.
3: <laughs> this man is hurt to his core. He is so sad. <laughs> so yeah, and the interesting thing he kept mentioning is that Show refused to do the interview.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Show refusing to talk, so it's been yeah, all yo and kinda of, you know, getting his feeling and vantage point of everything that went down and yeah, she, you know, interesting thing here for this feud And yeah, it looks like the, the first matchup, like I said Might be Wrestle Grand Slam The interview was tag of WGS So that's what I'm, I'm thinking here And uh yeah, and a lot of people were thinking maybe It'll wait till Super Juniors, but yeah It might happen sooner than we think
3: This is uh just the first dance
2: <laughs> uh, Next thing here, like we mentioned earlier Minoru Suzuki is coming to the U.S. For the strong tapings He's also going to be making some other shots. He's going to be um, coming to GCW, doing some dates for them there. Uh, first, he'll be appearing at the highest in the room on Friday, September 17th, which is in L.A., no opponent named yet. Then in uh, Get Lost A Lot, Friday, September 24th in the uh, Melrose Ballroom in Queens, New York. He'll be facing off against Homicide. Yes, yeah, Suzuki versus Homicide.
3: Yeah, Megan's super disappointed because she's actually going to be in that area on that weekend. And earlier this year, or actually last year, Suzuki was supposed to wrestle for GCW WrestleMania weekend against one Orange Cassidy. Yeah. And there have been many times where she's been like, when is Suzuki going to wrestle Orange Cassidy? (laughs) I'm like, I don't know if that match is ever going to happen again. But then once it was announced, like, I told her, I was like, hey, you know, it's announced that, like, he's doing these shots for GCW. And she's like, is he wrestling Orange Cassidy? (laughs) And she was like, if he wrestles Orange Cassidy September 24th, I will literally make my way out there for that show. And then today I had to tell her, like, he's wrestling homicide. And she was like, who? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, It's not a show. I don't think she's going to want to go out there. and you know, I don't think Matt Cardona's is going to be you know, enough to...
2: She's not not a draw for her?
3: Yeah. Actually, I don't even know. If she, I don't think a lot of people know about the stuff he's been doing. Right. I only know about the stuff he's been doing because ghoul wrestling fan Dan Coffin <laughs> has been keeping me up to date. <laughs> uh,
2: but uh, also uh, for GCW, he'll be there Sunday, October 10th uh, for a show named to be announced and his opponent to be announced and then Um, October 23rd, a show to be announced, which is also going to be in L.A. Then for PWX, All Hail the King, October 2nd, he's going to be taking on Anthony Henry, just recently released from WWE, a guy that we're familiar with here on the Florida scene from FIP.
3: That match sounds awesome. Yeah, I uh, earlier today got a message, a private message from one Chris Things, a.k.a. Chris Bryan of the podcast Grumman Watch this Shit. And he was like, man, this Suzuki uh, Indie Run is really something, huh? And I was like, if only we had an independent wrestling podcast that could discuss such things. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, "He's like, you know, this may be calls for us to, uh, you know, record some content for you guys. So, you know, but, man, I mean. That's a lot of really, really great, you know, shows with some awesome matchups that have been announced. And like, this man, uh, Suzuki is not wrestling on his laurels. Like, he's like, oh, I'm in America. Y'all, y'all getting ready to pay me. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, and then his last announced date, West Coast Pros, No Leaf Clover, that their, their third anniversary show, October 8th. He'll be taking on Daniel Garcia.
3: Yeah, that's another one that like sounds awesome. But you know what, the thing is, like, not that Suzuki can't wrestle, because he, he definitely can, um, but, I mean, it's very rare that we see someone push him to be map-based and ground-based, and I, I'm not sure how he can avoid that wrestling against a guy like Daniel Garcia, and then conversely, like, Daniel Garcia's not a guy that you see having wars, you know, striking and everything like that. He's probably going to have to kind of go into that element a little bit, you know, facing Suzuki, so... For Dale Garcia, I mean that's probably gonna be one of the biggest like matches he's had so far in his career, and I mean that's a huge test. I mean that's like a real man match.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, it's definitely gonna be a tough uh, night for Mister Garcia, but should be you know kind of a great you know platform for him and the match goes off well. Continue to elevate his stock in the world of wrestling, and uh, you know Suzuki being in the U.S. and he's gonna be in New York around the time of uh, AEW's uh, Wrestle Grand Slam. In um, Arthur Ashe Stadium, one has to think maybe the Forbidden Door will be open and we will hear Kazanina Ray on TNT.
3: That's one of those things where I was really kind of questioning it. I heard uh, the reports where Dave was alleging that, you know, that they were pushing to have Tanahashi and um, John Moxley wrestle at uh, All Out. And I mean, we, I think we've said this on this podcast, but anybody that's kind of in the know knew that there's no way for Tanahashi to wrestle it all out just given the time frame related to the G1 once the G1 was, you know, announced.
2: Right, yeah. Uh, I just don't, I just feel like that, we talked about it before, I feel like that Mox-Tanahashi match is going to happen in Japan.
3: It it could happen in Japan. It it might happen in AEW because they've kind of made some allusions to that, but... uh, Um, Either way, you know, but but the thing with the report that he was putting was that, you know, plans had changed, you know, and that like Tanahashi wasn't able to kind of stay because like New Japan made a decision. But it seemed pretty clear to me that he was always planned to go back to Japan just based on the timing. Um, But if the rumor was that he was, you know, that Mox was going to wrestle somebody from New Japan at that show. Suzuki seems like a prime candidate. The other prime candidate, maybe Tomohiro Ishii, if that's even the route that they're going.
2: Yeah, Ishii has not been on the cards. I mean, if he's in Japan, he would be doing the two week quarantine. and What you want, he wouldn't be on this week's cards, or he could still be here in the U.S. Wrestle mocks at all out, and then catch a plane to be back um, in time to quarantine for G
3: One. Yeah, I'm hoping that that's not the case. I'm hoping he just goes to Japan and you know, does the quarantine, he's ready to, to work and be there. Um, and I'm hoping that Suzuki does end up sort of being the opponent for John Moxley for All Out, because he doesn't really have, like, a, an ongoing active feud currently in right. AEW. And that match was so well-received amongst everybody, but especially the American audience uh, last year when they wrestled. Uh, in New Japan, and so to kind of run that series back in AEW, I bet you they'd get an incredible reaction. Um, plus, Suzuki's so over in America, and even for those who aren't familiar with him, I mean, look at what happened when they like debuted Kingston, nobody knew who he, who he was, and he got over very, very quickly. I think if you bring Suzuki to AEW, even for the uninitiated, like the the guy is just an incredible character. Like, people are going to get invested almost immediately.
2: Yeah, I also think there's potential to do a, uh, a tag match of him and Archer. Last week on Dynamite Archer got beat down two-on-one oh. by the uh, the Men of the Year, all-Eagle Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. So you could have Suzuki come in as a backup, run Suzuki-Gun versus the Men of the Year.
3: Yeah, Suzuki and um, Archer have both kind of, like, made sort of, like, jokes online about how Archer's never actually left Suzuki-Gun. And, you know, Archer even mentioned, you know, kind of like in his mind, he still represents Suzuki-Gun in AEW. He's still
2: right. a yeah.
3: So, I mean, bro, that'd be so cool to see them, like, teaming again.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, if we don't get it in AEW, we'll probably get it on those uh, Texas Strong tapings. Uh, or both. Yeah, that, that would be a great... So another guy that's going to be uh, wrestling some indie shots, our good friend Rocky Romero. He's been added to Defy's Leviathan, which is happening August 27th and 28th at the historic Washington Hall into Seattle. He'll face Josh Alexander on night one, and then he'll have a surprise opponent on night two.
3: I can't say who his surprise opponent on night two is, um, but what I can give you this hint, His favorite drink is Pepsi.
1: (laughs) Oh,
2: man. Don't get the Seattle area fans hyped up.
3: (laughs) Also, I want to let you know that he is drug free. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's all I can say, though, without giving away.
2: Another uh, New Japan guy wrestling on the indies this past week Was Switchblade Jay White Defeating Sam Adonis at uh, Warrior Wrestling At one of their stadium series show So, Jay doing some indie dates here in the U.S. as well As While he's here Then an update on uh, Brody King You know, he got pulled from resurgence And we were kind of questioning what happened But he did reveal that he did test positive for COVID-19 uh, He is vaccinated So, uh, seems to be doing all right, and so once he is uh, cleared to go, I think he'll be back on uh, New Japan Strong tapings.
3: Yeah, uh, good to hear that he's doing well. Um, yeah.
2: Then uh, also this past weekend we had Rev Pro's nine year anniversary. Uh, two big matchups featuring New Japan guys. We had the Rev Pro Undisputed British Heavyweight Title being defended. Uh, Will Osprey defended against Doug Williams, defeated him sixteen minutes. And 58 seconds. And then we had the main event, the British heavyweight title. Ricky Knight Jr. defeated Shota Umino. Uh, young boy, do you see the video going around of Will Ospreay's reception at Rev Pro?
3: I haven't watched anything. I saw that he came in with the world IWGP title, quote unquote, the lineal <laughs> strap. And uh, I heard that they announced him as the undefeated IWGP world heavyweight champion.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't get to watch the whole video, but it didn't sound like the, the Rev Pro fan base was thrilled that uh, Osprey was back in Rev Pro and that he was there. You know, a complete opposite homecoming to what Mr. CM Punk got.
3: Is that due to the uh, Me Too allegations? Or not Not Me Too, but the yeah, uh, speaking, speaking out allegations?
2: I think so, yeah.
3: Because I'm I'm just thinking, like, I haven't put the timeline together, but, like, since that happened, he hasn't worked in front of a British crowd, has he? No. That makes, yeah, that British uh, wrestling scene with that particular niche uh, fan base, they know way more about everything that's kind of gone on more so than anybody else. And it's a very small-knit community. I wouldn't be surprised if he did receive a bad reception and, you know, that there is a lot of, like, kind of bad feelings, bad blood. You know within that community regardless of his you know guilt or not
2: right so and last thing here uh the free match of the week on new japan is uh kazuchika okada against shinsuke nakamura from the g1 24 finals
3: awesome match
2: now we're gonna move into some questions here recommended match of the week and get out of here so uh, first question comes from Reddit user 9tails says Is Kevin Kelly doing live English Commentary the most exciting Thing about <laughs> this year's G1 Bearing in mind the field hasn't Been announced yet
3: um, For me It's a close second the most exciting thing Right now is Who the hell is going to be in this G1 <laughs>
2: Yeah, that, that is the million-dollar question. I, I see tons of posts on, on Reddit and Twitter of people trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be in the G1 this year, especially with, you know, Osprey, Suzuki, Jay White, Finjuice all here in the U.S. Seems like there's a lot of holes to fill up. I am very excited for Kevin doing live English every day. That will be great. Uh, but, yeah, seeing who fills out the field is going to be very interesting. And I know a lot of people seem to be down on the G1 with a lot of these guys missing but honestly, right. I, I think Osprey and Suzuki, honestly, are, from a match quality standpoint, are probably the two major losses. You know, with Jay, they're usually running some kind of story. His matches aren't always the best. I mean, Jay's an awesome wrestler. I love Jay, but, you know, we've seen what he does in G1 sometimes. And then Finn Juice, I mean, you know, Finley's never been in the G1, and Juice kind of just, you know, does what Juice does. So I think that we're only losing two really high-level workers, and I think we're still going to have a great G1.
3: Yeah, those are those are definitely great points as far as it relates to, you know, the layout of who is and isn't going to be in it. I think the the big thing though is like you said people are down and I think one of the reasons they're down is they're assuming that the replacements are going to be lower caliber than, you know, who was going to be in it, but I'm kind of thinking, like, I don't think that New Japan would do that, especially with, you know, the issues they've had with business. Even today, like, there are so few people at Cork and Hall, you know? Right. Um, it's really incumbent on them to produce a good G1. It's the G1. It's, like, literally, like, their bread and butter. And with some of those comments Tanahashi made about, like, exciting things being on the way, I wouldn't be surprised if they included some necessary outside domestic names from, I don't know, the... Japanese indies, maybe like uh, Big Japan is a possibility All Japan, that sort of thing
2: Yeah, they could do that, we've been talking about that for a while Now opening that, you know, domestic forbidden door uh, Working with companies there Um, Also, I mean, there's some potential Juniors like Hiromu Takahashi That they could uh, pull in as well
3: Yeah, that's an option as well So, I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be All like Hanmas and (laughs)
2: Uh, Tenzons. (laughs) tenzons. Yeah,
3: (laughs) they have some other Options
2: uh, next question from our user fit underscore beautiful two six three eight says, "My question: What's Gabriel Kit up to? Did he graduate? Uh,
3: we haven't we haven't heard anything about it, um, you know. Uh, but is it impossible that like they make an announcement? Who knows?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, there hasn't been an official announcement of his graduation. It could be one of those things. He probably maybe went home for a little bit, um, but I would expect him." to be graduating pretty soon. I mean, he was in that same class with suji and Yamura.
3: Sort of. I mean, he kind of came after them, but yeah. Right,
2: I and mean, he was uh, L.A. Dojo, too. He wasn't in Nogai Dojo. He,
3: he's in a weird situation because he was a quote-unquote L.A. Dojo guy, but I felt like he spent more of his time in Nogai probably mostly because of the pandemic, but, right. you know, what turned into, like, a couple-week, like, trip, you know, became, like, a, a year or so thing.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, Next question from EMJ does PR. Do you guys do anything special to prepare to cover the G1?
3: Pray. (laughs) Oh, man. Not really. Uh, I mean, I just, for me, schedule is the most important thing.
2: Right, yeah, just laying out when the shows are going to happen and when you're going to watch them.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember like the first year being like six days behind and having to like binge them all because, you know, I didn't really know how to manage my time. The <laughs> idea of watching that many matches was so foreign. And to me, like, even though I've been a big, you know, New, Ch- New Japan fan for a long time, I've never sat and watched an entire G1. Now, this can be like our fourth time doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but really just being aware of the schedule, being aware of like what time we have to give to watching it and then you know um i don't watch the undercard matches for the most
2: part <laughs> well i mean last year we had no undercard due to covid and i'm assuming we're probably right. not going to have an undercard again this year so yeah just just having to watch the the 5g1 matches is, it's great
3: it is great um but as far as like prepping like i don't know i don't do any really like studying or you know information accumulation or anything like that
2: Right, I mean, Voices uh, of Wrestling always does a great job of putting out a uh, big uh, preview and we will have Chris Stamps on the show and go over uh, stats and numbers and win-loss records depending on who's on what block and stuff like that.
3: We do typically put in the work to create our uh, annual prediction competition. Oh, That's yeah, our, one thing our contest. we contest. Pre- yeah, but other, yeah, it's been so long, you know, it seems like we only do two a year now.
2: Yeah. Uh, next question here from Hawaiian Punch B- BV says the lineal NJPW, NJPW Strong Champion Shoeface will be making his second title defense against Emiliano Sordi this weekend in PFL.
3: What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who either of those two fighters is.
2: I think that Shoeface is not the guy that I guess he lost. I guess he beat Filthy Tom in the MMA fight.
3: Yeah but, yeah, but I didn't watch that fight. <laughs> Neither did
2: I. No, <laughs> don't um, watch PFL. <laughs> then he asked for uh, thoughts on Woodley versus Paul. Most likely scenario, Paul gets uh, the knockout or Woodley circles away forever to lose a decision.
3: I, I don't know, man. I'm not that impressed with uh, either Log- uh, Logan or Jake Paul. So, um you know, I almost put money on Ben Askren last time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, part of me, like, just the logic and reasoning is, like, even though, yeah, Ben Askren wasn't a great striker and primarily a wrestler, I'm like, he spent so many years around striking that he probably beat this guy, you know, Jake Paul. Obviously, he didn't. But you know what? There was two moments in that uh, Logan Paul match where he, or I'm sorry, Jake Paul match, where he kind of, like, Snuck some early shots in on him, and I was like, oh my god, a real boxer would fuck up Jake Paul. I know Tyler Woodley's not that guy, but like, based on the knockout power he's displayed in the past, I think there's a really good chance he does knock out Jake Paul. Um, I hope he has good coaches and has been doing, you know, putting in the hours doing the right things. I don't know, but uh, part of me wants to put money on Woodley.
2: <laughs> hey, get that VLW uh, code.
3: The other part of me wants to figure out
2: how to gamble because I don't really know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> uh, last set of questions here from Dom Homie 101 First, he says, if you had to pick one, who would you guys rather see as a world champion in 2021? Goldberg or Evil? Goldberg. Always Goldberg. Yeah. Give, give me a, uh, you know, five-minute squash match. Goldberg is champ. I love Goldberg.
3: So you're not gonna hear any Goldberg slander from me.
2: <laughs> uh his next question, what are your guys' thoughts on this year's Summerfest, aka SummerSlam event that took place uh last Saturday? Has a tribal chief surpassed the leader of the Nation as the greatest of all time, L O L
3: uh I refuse to answer this question. <laughs>
2: Uh, Yeah, SummerSlam, I'll just say, it's probably one of the the worst SummerSlams of all time. Uh, Bro,
3: but, like, that's such a mixed thing to say. Like, so many people liked that SummerSlam show. I saw it getting, like, B ratings all over the place.
2: Uh, Yeah, some of the, the bigger, like, news outlets are giving it Bs and stuff like that. And, of course, a lot of people will see, you know, the large attendance and all the, you know, the fancy stats and numbers they'll throw out there. But... From a wrestling quality booking standpoint, it was trash. Bro,
3: John Cena bumps on his elbows the entire time he wrestles. And I I've been rewatching him wrestle and like he he always puts his elbows and his forearm down before he bumps.
2: Yeah, I've always noticed that, that he always bumps weird.
3: Bro, that you you can literally like break your like shit doing that like that's really you'll break your wrist or your forearm or your elbow like um yeah having like never wrestled before i never noticed but after wrestling because that's actually something i have a problem with sometimes so i i'm very keenly aware of like when someone does it i'm like oh that that looks wrong
2: <laughs> yeah so, so yeah very very awkward in the ring but
3: here's the other the other weird thing cena in the face still john cena but the hair and the body, I'm not John
2: Cena. <laughs> that man needs to call up uh, Jericho for the plugs.
3: For the plugs, then he needs to call out to someone, not whoever Jericho's been talking to, but <laughs> talk, <laughs> talk to someone to help him get in shape, man. Like you know, I don't know. I'm not used to seeing John Cena not look jacked.
2: Uh, I mean, he was still, you know,
3: he was no, no, nope, nope. he needs to call the Rock.
2: The Rock's it. doing it right. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on the recent fight that took took place between uh, Manny Pacquiao and Ugas?
3: Okay, I will say this. Last week, I mentioned uh, I was asked who I thought was going to win, and I said Manny Pacquiao most likely. I will also say this: I was not aware of who Ugas was. I wasn't aware of many facts about him. Um, once I, I did my research, obviously I didn't have time to re-record a new response, but uh, Jeremy was there. Jeremy, all night during SummerSlam this past weekend, who did I say was going to win that fight?
2: You thought uh, Pacquiao was going to win.
3: No, I didn't.
2: <laughs> you didn't? <laughs>
3: you, you don't remember? Like, the whole night, I kept saying, like, oh, God, Pacquiao's going to lose tonight.
2: Well, I thought you were watching, and you were like, oh, my gosh, where he got, like, he, like, fell or whatever.
3: Yeah, I did, but like earlier in the night, all night, I was complaining, man, you don't listen to me. <laughs> Anyways. oh man, you guys, ask, you guys can ask Rich. I'm sure Rich heard me.
2: I, I was too busy eating that uh, delicious uh, buffalo chicken dip that your girlfriend made.
3: Oh, you like the chicken dip? I'll, I'll let Megan know that you like the yeah.
2: chicken dip. Compliment also, to a this- chef.
3: I got this man a white cake.
2: Yeah, so, so that's what I requested.
3: <laughs> For his birthday, you know. Um, but no, nah, man. Okay. So I looked into it and I saw Ugas and like, I was like, Oh shit. He's a rangy outside fighter. He's bigger than Pacquiao and he's Cuban. Fuck. <laughs> once I, once I figured all that out, because in my mind, I didn't know who Ugas was. And I saw he had a loss and I saw that he, you know, had never fought championship material. That's all I heard. Just looking at his Wikipedia last week. And that's kind of why I thought like, I don't know, I thought maybe he was, like, a brawly, like, Mexican fighter and that, like, Pacquiao might be able to beat him. But once I looked into his credentials and his fight style and I watched some YouTube videos on him, I was like, oh, no, he's going to fuck up Pacquiao. And that's exactly what he did. Um, Yeah. Uh, Last thing about that fight, Ugas, just beautiful utilization of the jab and then that outside right hook. Like... He, he utilized the correct game plan to shut down Manny Pacquiao.
2: Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So a follow-up to that, he also asks, with the career of Manny Pacquiao looking like it's coming to an end, what's the legacy of Manny Pacquiao's boxing career? Where does he rank among the all-time greats?
3: Man, um, we don't have enough time for me to go over all of that in depth, but what I'll say in a quick soundbite, I mean, Manny Pacquiao, the only ever eight-division world champion, uh, world champion in the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, and then now the 2020s, one of the only fighters to ever win world championships in four different decades. Um, You know, the fighter of the decade in the 2010s. Manny Pacquiao is one of the absolute greatest pound-for-pound fighters of all time. For me, he's a top-20 fighter, Based on his accomplishments alone, you know, which, again, range through a multitude of weight classes. Um, yeah, that's that's May Pacquiao's legacy. He's one of the greatest to ever do it.
2: And his last question, he says, can the young boy break down a fight between James out Tony Bernard or James out Tony and Bernard, the executioner Hopkins at one sixty?
3: Jeez, that's a really, really, really tough fight to call. Um, the only time I think that a fight like that could have maybe happened between these two is between 91 and 93. And at that point in time, I think James Tony probably beats Bernard Hopkins. Um, but if you're going prime for prime, you know, so for James Tony that would be like 1991. And then for like Bernard Hopkins, you're talking like 2001. Prime for prime at 160 is what I mean. Um, I really don't know how that one plays out. I mean, the way James likes to fight, um, I think with a little bit older, more rangier Bernard Hopkins, um, you know, it'd probably be a game of cat and mouse to some extent. But fuck, I really don't know. Like, that those are two of the greatest at 160 ever, and to kind of consider what their, like, styles, how they would line up, uh, it's hard for me to see it. I would probably, by slight edge, favor James Tony in that fight, as crazy as that sounds.
2: Nice. Uh, so now let's move on to recommended match of the week. So last week, Josh, you recommended an absolute banger between Tomohiro Ishii and and uh, Masato Tanaka For the Never Openweight Championship From 2013 And man This match was just Out of this world This was, you know, like you mentioned You said you were, you were looking for that High-level match at Resurgence And the Moose match didn't quite get it But yeah, this match, what was the match uh, Man, these guys just the, the the strike exchanges between these guys. It started off with a huge, you know, the, the shoulder block exchange and then the form exchanges. And I thought it was pretty funny at one point to not like put a headlock on Ishii, like, God, I just smashed him with a big, like, forearm. <laughs> like, nah, like, we ain't wrestling. Like, we brawling. Uh, and just the sequences, the the, the chop and elbow exchanges, uh, you know, Ishii getting busted open. They had a, a table at one point in the match where, um, Tanaka does a, a huge body splash to the table to Ishii, which reminds me of Ishii doing like the John Moxley uh, in the yes. G1. So that was a cool little moment to see there. And yeah, you you know, your typical, you know, no selling spots here with the Germans between these guys. Um, I was very surprised that uh, Tanaka ends up getting the winner. He kicked out of Ishii's brain buster. I thought I was the finish. I was like, with the brain but I was like, alright. Right. Ishii. One, two, <laughs> and this man Tanaka kicks out. Um eventually hits him with a uh sliding elbow, gets the win here. And man, this match was incredible.
3: Bro, Ishii, did I not tell you Ishii's face got messed up?
2: Yeah, his face got jacked up in this match.
3: Yeah, at the end of the bro, the sickening thing about this match is the headbutts.
2: Oh yeah. Several, you know, they did the whole thing where on their on their uh referee position just bashing their heads over and over again it was brutal
3: yeah that stuff's really really brutal um the match is excellent you know I already I knew who was gonna win and I went and rewatched it and I still got caught on the uh, brain buster because I'm so accustomed to that being a very protected finalized finisher but then you have to recall this is 2013 you know Tanahashi's never won a title in New Japan ever before you know right the one the one big feud he ever had with tiger mask he lost it and got his head shaved and then lost his mask (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i mean it's it's not the same time uh ishii and i mean even this match is happening on a road to event you know right
2: which is crazy because like you would think like an ishii never match that's probably main eventing like a you know yeah yeah
3: but the match is just it's so awesome. And it, anyone who's never seen Masato Tanaka, this is a highly recommended match. If you've seen Ishii, obviously this is uh you know, him in his prime. He's looking a little chunky here, huh?
2: Yeah, he was. Yeah.
3: But uh yeah, that match that match just rules.
1: Yeah.
2: There's we, one point love where
3: he hits he hits um Tanaka or something, goes to to Pim and Tanaka, kicks out at one and I was like, Let's go. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah man this match was so awesome So if you have not watched this yet Guys you need to go out of your way and watch this Ishii Tanaka match
3: Tanaka eats him up a little bit though huh? He does yeah Yeah. It's really good if you guys haven't seen it You gotta check it out
2: Then uh, for my pick for Recommended match oh, of shit. the week <laughs> Is uh, To get us ready for Wrestle Grand Slam The upcoming IWGP US title match We're gonna go back to G127 Roshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi.
3: Yeah. So we're gonna watch the greatest G1 final in history. <laughs>
2: no, it's not this is not the 2018 match. This is twenty seventeen yeah. match.
3: Oh, it's not the finals. Okay. It's from the year prior. Yeah. That's a good match too. Yeah. You got me hyped. I was like, <laughs> oh man, we're watching the twenty eighteen <laughs> finals. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've never seen this uh, 2017 one, so I figured I'd throw that one out there since we haven't... You didn't
3: watch, you didn't watch the G1 that year?
2: I, I like, cherry-pick stuff, and I, I don't know, I just I don't remember getting to this one.
3: Yeah, see, like, earlier in the show I said I didn't, like, watch full G1s, but I cherry-picked them too, but, like, watch... You know, I'd watch, like, the best stuff, and I definitely saw Tanahashi Ibushi that year. It was awesome.
2: Well, looking forward to checking it out. Like we said, these guys never have bad matches. will help us get hyped for the U.S. title match coming up at Wrestle Grand Slam. Awesome. And that's going to wrap things up for this week. Next week, we'll be back to review uh, these week's uh, Summer Struggle shows that are happening and to cover all the latest news that's happening in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show if you enjoy today's show by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at ki Strong style. The network is at Social Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash Social Suplex. You can also find us in the Wrestling square Circle Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at SocialSuplex.com. Also, check out our Discord server. The link is in the show notes for that. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have shit Radio hosted by Rachel and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast hosted by Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh, number two, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, and The Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Pod.
0: Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.